Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello, everybody. Good morning to you, too. Good to have you here with us this morning, and those of you uh, watching us online, either live right now or maybe later on today or during the week, because I know some of your work schedules are different, and so uh, you are exclusively online people. But good to have you all here today. We're going to finish up our series on love by association. Uh, before I do, let me just point you towards um, next Sunday. We're going to start talking about, for three weeks, we're going to talk about making better decisions in life. And how many of you do not like having regrets? Anybody like me? I don't want any regrets. We're going to talk about things like that for the next three weeks after today. And then, um, and then we're going to hit Father's Day. I'll do an independent message on Father's Day. And then I think I'll do another three-week series and then hit another independent message on July 4th. Um, so that's kind of how we're going to roll out in the next uh, eight weeks or so, something like that. But today I'm going to talk about final message, what does love require? <clears throat> As you know, I, I, love, I love the superhero movies. How many love the superhero movies? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You know, there was only me plus three others in first service that like superhero stuff. Can you believe that? I think we need to re-disciple first service. Any amen? It's like, I thought, what, what world am I in right now? I couldn't believe, am I in Thanos' world? I, where am I? So, um, but I watched the new um, Justice League Snyder Cut. Anybody watch that? Raise your hand if you watch that. Really? There's just a few of us? How Raise your hand. Okay. It's four hours long. It didn't feel like four hours. It felt like three hours and 59 minutes. No, it didn't feel like... No, it really didn't feel like four hours. And this is... It's, it, Snyder took it, the original Justice League, the same movie, but he added and built things into it, and it did not disappoint at all. It was fantastic. And I'd watch it again, all four hours again, easily. But in the, in the Justice League, you have Superman, Batman, etc. And Superman is like, I always looked at him, he's the Jesus Christ character. Hollywood stole him, comic book stole him. Because he comes from another world to earth to bring peace, right? And in this Justice League movie, they follow the theme of the Jesus Christ character, in my opinion. And he dies, and he comes back to life. Thus, like the death and resurrection of Jesus. But one thing that caught me, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. When he's come back to life, there's this scene that Snyder puts in there where he hears, Superman hears his earthly father and his kryptonite father, he hears their voices and the things that they've taught him in his life. And um, one of the things that caught me was what his kryptonite father, Jarrell, his real dad, Jarrell said, to his son Kal-El. He said this, and it was, he was describing uh, Superman Clark Kent's purpose and reason for being here on planet Earth. And, he, and here's what he said to his son. And I thought, oh man. He said, Kal-El, love them, the earthlings, love them as we have loved you. And I thought, they stole another line from the Bible. Because that's exactly what the Bible teaches. The word of love as we have been loved by Jesus Christ. Now, 
I want to back it up. I want to prove it to you that this is biblical stuff. I'm going to take you through some verses very quickly as I just build a small foundation. So let's look at these. John 13, 34, 35. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as, that's the statement, even as or just as, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if, if you have love for one another. This is the telltale sign, how we love people or not, if we're truly followers of Christ. That's how they'll know. Then Jesus again says in John 15, 12, this is my commandment. Now Jesus gives you a hardline commandment. He says, that you love one another, say just as, just as I have loved you. Whoa, Paul takes that in the New Testament and he runs with it. And he says in Ephesians 4, 32 through chapter 5, verse 2, he says, be kind to one another. Boy, that'll preach this afternoon in your homes, right? Tender-hearted. Forgiving each other. Christians, would you just forgive? Would you just let it go? Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And then he adds, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love, say just as just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. If you think about these words, if we just love people the way Jesus loved us, when we do that, um, it's like a fragrant aroma in the nostrils of God. And it moves our Christianity from weak, watered down, well, you know, I believe, which is not what Jesus taught. It moves it to, I'm a follower of Christ and I operate in the love of God. And I love everybody just as Jesus loved me. Which leads to today's question. What does love require of me? That question should always guide how we treat our spouse, our date, our boss, our employees, our co-workers, our parents, our children, people in church. It should govern everything in our life as a follower of Christ. Not, well, I believe in God. No, that, that, that's just watered-down American Christianity. No, a follower of Christ denotes action. So we're going to talk about that today. What does love require of me as we finish up our series, Loved by Association? And I would bet that there just might be somebody sitting here today or watching me. It's a very uncomfortable topic because you're kind of strained in a relationship right now. And you really don't want to do this because what if they don't do this back? It doesn't matter if they don't do it back. What matters is that you do it and that you operate in love toward them and towards others. So 
Hold that thought. Let's one last time read our key verse, then our statement of this. Here we go all together. One, two, three, go. So this is the greater love, that we lay down our life for our friends. Which means, as we've said, you put the person next to you, in front of you. That statement right there should cause us to really stop and analyze how selfish we are at times in our life. But it pushes us to our statement, and that is this, when love meets inconvenience. Say that with me, go. Because you see, when we truly love people and lay down our life and, 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 and ask ourselves, what does love require of me? That really brings about a, a, a sacrifice in our life because it's not easy to always choose love in every situation, is it? It's a very difficult thing at times because there's an old person in me, an old nature, that wants to do what I want and I want everybody else to look at it the way I look at it too. And we all have a little bit of that in us. Any amens on that? So here we go. I'm going to give you three things today as we close out the series. Point three is where I'll drive this complete thought home. So number one in your notes, if you're taking notes, if you're doing a sermon-based study in your life group, first one is love requires expression. It always does. It cannot just be words. It cannot just be a theory in the mind. It requires expression. Now, I'm going to use a lot of different verses today. There's no one set story like I like to use, but it's a bunch of verses. Galatians 5 and verse 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, these are the legalizers of Galatians he's writing to because people are bringing in legalistic thought. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. It don't mean, no matter either way, he says. That's a huge statement. We're not going there today for, at all. But then he adds, but faith working through, say it, love. So, what he's telling me is, my faith should be operational, moving through a tunnel, through a lens of love, love for others. If it's not, it's just not real faith. And so when he uses the word working, but faith working through love, that word working there means operative to affect an activity. Jesus never told us, just come and believe. He didn't say that. He told us to follow, operate, be active, affect with the love of Christ, get involved, do something. You can't just sit there and have a belief in your head. That's not what Jesus ever taught. Now, when, if you think about what he's saying, he's saying this. <clears throat> Circumcision um, in the Old Testament was the sign that you were a follower of Yahweh God. That was the sign. Now, was that sign visible or invisible to the public? And thank God it was invisible, right? Amen. But in the New Testament, something different happens. There are visible signs that you and I are absolute followers of Christ. One is water baptism. That's a public statement, a confession of faith to everybody around you that you're a follower of Christ. 
you never been water baptized, what are you waiting for? But the bigger one, the bigger statement of the proof that you're a follower of Christ and so am I is this. That I love people. That my faith is operative through love. That I love others. That I spread that love to others. And that I'm active in that love to others. Let me tell you something. Um, I've talked about this a few times. I'm, well, this might be the last time. But you ever, you ever, um, you ever been through a tough season of your life, but you learn things through it? Anybody know what I mean? Now you don't have to learn anything. Nobody does. You can sit there and go through tough season after tough season and learn nothing. Nobody has to learn anything. I'm really analytical, and so I analyze while I'm in it, and especially after I'm out of it. I analyze these things. It's just the way I'm geared. And I, and I found, and you heard me make this statement periodically, that we always understand in reverse. After we've gone through it, we look back and go, oh, that's why. You know what I mean? Well, last time I'm going to talk about this. Um, when, when, when my wife got sick, and uh, for those of you who don't know, um, then we had a carrier to the car, 11 days in the hospital, no communication with COVID and then she came out and you know there's a lot of recovery and so that whole situation there it really taught me this thing I never realized I never realized how much my wife loves me let me explain to you what I mean when she got sick before she went in the hospital, I had to learn to do everything in that house. And I've told you about that, right? I do the yard work. She likes to mow the lawn with our self-propelled propelled lawnmower. I like to throw that at her. But I do all the yard work. And I was, you know, my job was I'd wash out our tub every week and do certain vacuumings here and there and clean the stuff. That was kind of my inside stuff. But when she got sick, when she first got sick, before she got real sick in the hospital, she had to teach me, I was teaching her how to do the wash, how to do this, and I started doing all the housework and cleaning the toilets and the sinks and, and sweeping everywhere and washing the dishes all the time. And, and then I had to learn, remember the difference. I didn't know there was a difference between lights and brights, really? Some of them are exactly alike, really? And so I had to learn that and... Uh, you know, how much bleach to put in the whites and everything. And then she went in the hospital and I really had to carry the load. And then she came out and I still had to carry all that load inside, outside, do my job, everything else. And through all that, oh, and by the way, and then when she's before and then in the hospital and afterwards, you know, um, I'm, when she was in the hospital, I have to eat. And so I, I'd buy you know, I was the deals. Two Del Beef burritos for five bucks. Anybody know what I mean? Amen on that? I'd eat one one day, and the next day, I'd, I'd put a refrigerator, the other one, then I'd toaster oven it the next day. Or else I'd buy a Mod Pizza, eat half one day. Mad dog at Mod, but anyway, half the other, the other day, 
Uh, I'd go to Armando's and off Pier Street to get a ground beef burrito. My family teased me because I would rather call it a hamburger meat burrito. They go, Dad, it's ground beef. It's 2021. Please, don't embarrass us. And so I'd eat half one day, the other half the next day, and then my kids would feel sorry for me and invite me over for dinner. My sister invited me a couple times. None of you people invited me over. <laughs> No, when she came out of the hospital, you guys were fantastic. I heard there was a line, people trying to get in there to bring us meals and stuff, but it was filled up so fast. Thank you for that. And so what I realized was this. As I was missing my wife's chile verde and tacos with her guacamole and her hot sauce made with hats, chilies, and, and, she, and she barbecues chicken and puts the Brussels sprouts on the barbecue with garlic and pepper, and my mouth is watering, and her rice... I thought, when I had to start doing all these things, I thought, here's what I thought. After, the, after, after everything was said and done, I thought, she'd been doing this for me for 39 years. That woman really loves me. I, had nev- I better never get a thought in my head to trade her in. <laughs> because that, that lady, she just loves me. And, and it made me realize how much this woman loves me because her love has, and, and her love doing all that allowed me to leave my previous position at a church, start this church from nothing out of our house, walk away from a salary, take a big risk like that, making no money basically for years to build it, build it, build it, build it, build it, build it, build it until finally bought land, built the building, and we have multiple campuses. But all that was only possible because somebody at the house raising three kids was doing a lot of operational, effective activity in love for me. Any amens on that one? It made me realize that. It made me realize that. I mean, I knew she did some stuff, but I never knew how much stuff. But it, oh, sorry for the exactly out there, okay? Somebody's feeling some pain. Exactly! We're going to get this. We're going to watch this at home again. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Give me the $20 now, okay? But ain't no. But the second thing I want to say is this. Love lives you first, me second. Before I read the verses, let me throw some stuff out to you. What if you were in the middle of an argument with a friend or debate with somebody at work or you're in a spat with your spouse, because you know how you do. You're driving, you're arguing in the car, get off, go, how you doing? Praise the Lord, brother. You know how you do. But what if in the middle of those spats, arguments, whatever, what if you stopped and asked yourself the question, what does love require of me here? You first, me second. What does love require of me? Because I'm going to back that statement up in a second. You first, me second. Let me tell you something that really puzzled me and saddened me. I I just couldn't believe my ears. Last year, I heard some families split up, basically, and wouldn't talk to each other because they're on different sides of the political aisle. Let me think out loud for a second, okay? Are we stupid? Are we just dumb? That this has become God now? Have we lost our love? 
I just couldn't believe my ears that this is what you bank your life on now? Look, you first, me second. I don't have to agree with you. You don't have to agree with me. But I can still love you and I can hang out with you and have a good, good time. You know why? Because I think I'm a little bit of a grown-up. Right? You know, and I think I've got a little bit of Jesus in me where I can love you even though you're wrong. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I just couldn't believe it. I thought, really? You're dividing over... You're not going to talk to each other over this? And for some of you in this room, I thought about this yesterday. I forgot to say it for service. Quit baiting other people to get into a political conversation with you. Because some of you do that, don't you? You throw someone out there, see what they'll say, and then, oh, so you can be like Proverbs says, the fool is only interested in revealing his own mind. I'm going to tell you everything I think now because I just baited you into the conversation. Just stop that too. Just stop it. Now, let's read these verses because Paul writes them. It's amazing verses, and it's the whole idea of you first, me second. Watch this in Philippians. Watch he says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than, say it. He said, whoa. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Mm. And then he ties it here comes the knot, the tie, that ties it to the rest of the verse. He says, have this attitude. What attitude? The one we just talked about, and then the one after that. In yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Whoa. So he says, this was Jesus' attitude. And then if you read verses 6 through 11 of Philippians 2, you find out how Jesus lived this whole idea out, this idea, this truth out. You first me second okay let's apply it to something <clears throat> how many would admit that today uh, basically sex is God now raise your hand if you would think that's kind of true sex in our society is God it's what it is now the rest of you don't think so you're not listening tuned out or what all you have to do is watch a sitcom watch a movie listen to people question you first, me second. Why shouldn't a guy pressure his girlfriend for sex or anything she isn't comfortable with? Well, Christians would say, well, because the Bible says so. And, and that'd be true. But what if we added to that, that you first, me second, what if we added to that, because love says, I will respect your standards and I will not pressure you to do anything you're not comfortable with which would just simply satisfy me. I'm going to live you first and me second. You follow me? Comprende? Thank you. But some of you are thinking this. Well, what if it's consensual, preacher? Well, Christians would say, well, the Bible says that sex should only be between a man and a woman who are married. And that's it. Outside of that is sin. 
Just simply, just what it says. But what if we thought about consensual? If you think about consensual, don't bad decisions and consensual go hand in hand? Real life situation. The girl, she's consensual. She consents to get in the car with her intoxicated boyfriend. She doesn't survive the accident. So that's not real. I know somebody this happened to. Don't tell me it's not real. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. Manslaughter on his part. Can you imagine the guilt, the regret? The consensual. But here's the thing. Consensual and bad decisions, they just go hand in hand. See, the goal isn't to lower the standards, is it? The goal is to raise the standard higher and higher. Lift the standard higher. You first, me second. I will not, I will not pressure you to do something that violates your values and who you are. I won't do it. You hear me, man? Now, the third thing. Let me move on because some of you get nervous on that one. Love directs me where the New Testament is quiet. See, love is a great topic, but it's one of the heaviest topics when you really get down to the nitty-gritty. We're going to get some nitty-gritty in a second here. Love directs me where the New Testament is quiet. Has anybody noticed that um, the New Testament doesn't have an answer for every situation you encounter? Has anyone noticed that besides me? You ever read it go, There's, I don't find any answer? Anybody besides me? Anybody? I don't find an answer for this in the New Testament. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> if the New Testament did have an answer for every situation we encounter, how thick would that book be? You'd have to drive around on a flatbed, right, with the big book back there? And then trying to find the page that it's on? Right? And by the way, for in case you don't, don't know this, um, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, you are a New Testament believer. Did you know that? When Christianity was birthed, resurrection of Christ, day of Pentecost, they didn't go back and study the Old Testament, these new believers. They didn't do that. The Old Testament wasn't even connected to the New Testament till like 350 years later. What they would do is they'd have these scrolls that were passed from city to city or one of the disciples would come to town or Paul and he would preach these things. They didn't have this stuff. And so they were following New Testament guidelines. So how do you know what Old Testament pieces pertain to us? Well, it's simple. If an Old Testament law can be found in the New Testament, then it pertains to us. If it's not... If you can't find an Old Testament law in the New Testament, guess what? It doesn't pertain to you. Now, that's why, and I like to say whenever I say that, um, that's why, we, can we quit fighting over tattoos? Now, I'm not saying that so you 14-year-old can say, see, the preacher said I can have a tattoo. No. No, your parents tell you when you're old enough to have a tattoo. You know. But the Old Testament says, you know, no tattoos. But it was about this. They were leaving Egypt and God was putting all these laws in place because they were a new nation and they were going to travel through all these 
areas where all this false idol worship and paganism and one of them was tattoos were involved in that and so God puts that law on them there as they're traveling through because God wanted to keep them from idolatry you follow me? But in the New Testament, if you want to get tattoos, so what? Just don't come in here with some nude lady and say, Jim said I could get one. No, I didn't say that. Uh-oh, or you come in here with an F-bomb on your... No, I didn't say that. Or some crude statement or what? No, you can get a scripture on one arm, put my name on the other. It's okay. Okay, don't do that, all right? Now... So the New Testament site, now let me dig deep. I'm going to make, because we're coming to this moment now where we, I, I've, got to, I've got to talk about this. Does the New Testament say to wear or not wear mask? Is that anywhere in the New Testament? Is it? I haven't found it. Okay. Silent on that one, like other things. Okay, so a lot of stuff coming down the pike now, huh? I watch the CDC stuff. I want to be set free. Now, as I said before, now I'm gonna I'm gonna go both. I'm gonna go to two sides on this, and I'm gonna come back in the middle. So it looks like they're gonna go optional on these things. That's what it looks like on the mass. You just choose one turn up. Some places have already done that. Now as I was preaching all this time and sharing the reason I wear the mask that I hate, despise, don't want to wear it, can't stand wearing it, can't stand wearing it to the gym, can't stand wearing it. As soon as I walk out of a store, I take that mask off. Jim, aren't you afraid? I refuse to live in fear. Nowhere does Jesus tell me to live in fear. So no, I'm not going to do that. But I, I wear the mask. And I, I always told everybody, I wear it because that's what love requires of me to do. If it puts somebody else at ease, then I'll wear the mask. But... I'm not wearing it because I'm panicked or anything. Jim, aren't you afraid of dying? I think Jesus conquered death. I'm going to live forever. Any amens on that one? And I'm not looking to die, but come on, I'm not going to fear death either. That's, that's, I'd be like living like an atheist if I feared death. No. So I said that. And so, but now, it looks like here pretty quick now, it's going to be optional. And now we have a dilemma, don't we? See, when I was preaching, wear the mask, wear the mask, because that's what love. Oh, when it flips, or balance, moves this way, and people, now it's optional, and they don't wear the mask, now we have maskers and non-maskers in the church. Now, will you, who are like, yeah, preacher, tell them to wear the mask, tell them to wear the mask, yes, yes. And I, and I would say, because that's what love had me do, will you now, maskers, look at somebody who doesn't wear the mask when they say it's optional, will you love them? Did you just follow what I said? No, did you follow what I said? Because it's really great when I'm on your side. Any amens? Oh, yeah. But when I give a flip side on it, I don't really like that message and that preacher's wrong. Really? So here's what's going to have to happen when it happens. Because it's going to happen sooner. So maskers and non-maskers. So if someone comes in here and they're wearing a mask, non-maskers, you can't make them feel guilty. Oh, you're a masker, huh? And, and then maskers, you see someone come without a mask, you get said, oh, you shouldn't be doing... Well, stop. Just stop it. We love each other, right? Somebody wants to wear the mask, wear the mask. Somebody doesn't, at that time, when the time comes, don't wear the mask. 
But that's what's going to happen, guys. And, can you, and you're not going to split this church up over maskers and non-maskers. I can't see Jesus in heaven going, oh, I don't know if they should wear the mask or not, you know. <laughs> can you imagine getting to heaven saying, Jesus, I, I, was, a, I was a non-masker. Ooh. <laughs> or I was a masker. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, right on. <laughs> over a piece of material? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how these issues, all of a sudden we get so focused and so tunnel vision on something, we forget about the real thing, and that's reaching lost people? Have you ever thought about that? Satan is so smart. He gets us all arguing on these side issues, and it's like, I got to keep pushing the ship this way and bringing it back to center and bringing it back to say, this is what we're supposed to do, reach lost people. And it's just that simple. So whether you're going to, when they, it's going to happen here in a couple weeks, guys, that that's the way they're moving. Whether you're a masker or non-masker, love each other. Any amens? Amen. Just love each other. That's it. Because the New Testament's quiet. Now, here's the problem when it comes to when the New Testament is quiet on something and I can't find an answer. Gets fuzzy, doesn't it? Here's why it gets fuzzy. Galatians 5, 16, 17 says this. But I say... Walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The flesh is my old nature, your old nature. Have you noticed there's this person inside of you that would like to do wrong once in a while? And like to be a little bit selfish at times? And want everybody to do what you say? Anybody notice that person living in you? Elbow the person next to you because they're not being honest. (laughs) Now watch, verse 17 says, For the flesh... My own nature sets its desire against the Spirit, Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God against the flesh. For these are in opposition. It means they're adversaries. They're enemies. So the enemy is enemy. Say that. The enemy is? Oh, that's weak. But anyway, read on. So that you may not do the things that you please or I please. It's not about us, is it? So, there's this fuzzy battle going on. There's no, nothing clear here in New Testament. I don't know what to do in the situation, but my flesh would really like to do what I want to do, and I would want everybody to do what I want them to do. So what directs me and guides me in that moment when the New Testament is silent? When it doesn't tell me, Jim, do this. What do I do? Well, you find that in Galatians chapter 5 also, verse 22 to 24. Watch this. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love. It doesn't make sense that love is the first one out of the gate. Yes or no? Yeah, because everything flows from there. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness. You know what gentleness is? It's meekness. It's the idea in the classical Greek language of, say, a wild stallion, powerful wild, wild stallion. It's, they break it so they can be used to, you know, to plow or to ride or whatever. It still has power, but it's power under control. That's what gentleness is. You might be able to, you know, out scream somebody and get in somebody's face but that's not power under control 
You might be able to verbally manipulate a conversation and spin it around your favor, but that's not power under control. You might be able to smack somebody upside the head and knock them out, but that's not power under control. That's not gentleness. Gentleness is power under control. When you blow up at home because you're losing the argument, that's not power under control at all. Self-control. Against such things there is no law. We'll get back to that. That's a huge statement. Verse 24 says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus, do you belong to Him, yes or no? Have crucified the flesh, the old nature, the old me that wants to do wrong, wants to be selfish, with its passions and desires. Do you have old passions and desires that go against the Word of God? Everybody, say everybody, say yes. Okay, good. But it says, that old nature, that old me has been crucified. Does crucified mean dead? Yeah. So the old me died on that cross with Jesus. Once I put my faith in Him, became a follower of Christ. So, <clears throat> so what's, a, what's a life? The fruit of the Spirit. Remember, in the beginning of the series, we talked about how Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and the branches bear fruit. Remember that? Anyone remember that? We're to bear fruit in our life. That's John 15, way back in the beginning. So here's the deal, guys. When you don't know what to do because the New Testament is silent on the situation, what do you do? What do you do? What, what are you guided by? Here's what you're guided by. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's where you ask yourself, what does love require of me? Can I give you the mind blower for me? This blows my mind. Because in verse 23, when Paul finishes verse 23, he says, about this fruit of the Spirit, these nine, he says, against these things there is no law. You know what, he just, you know what that means? It means that if I just live the fruit of the Spirit in every situation in my life, I would never have to study any of the New Testament at all because I'd automatically choose the God decision every time. The right decision, the loving decision, every time. I would automatically default towards loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, spirit, and strength. I would default toward loving my neighbor as myself because love would guide me. It's just that simple. Okay. Anybody notice I have a lemon up here? Did anybody notice that? How many have been curious about it? There's no reason. I'm just going to put it back. No, I'm just joking. Okay, so this lemon is not off my tree. I have a lemon tree, but this lemon, my lemons, they're not ripe yet. I had to, I had to go to somebody's house here in church and pick a lemon off the tree. They're on vacation. They're first... No, they, they were there, okay? I'm not a thief, all right? Well, not most of the time. And after first service, they texted me and said, nice lemon, because they're on vacation. Now, this is a ripe lemon. I pulled one off my tree. They're not ripe yet. They're just beginning. Here's one off my tree. <laughs> Little lemon, huh? 
green, hard as rock at this point. Now, you first, me second, is this one, ripe, good fruit. Me first, you second, is this, immature fruit that nobody wants, that nobody wants. You first, me second, me first, you second. In every situation, what does love require me to do? Can you imagine if you took the fruit of the Spirit and you applied it to anything in life? Self-control. You applied it to finances. How much less debt would you, might you have how much more money would you have to put into a retirement account for the future? Or to give, to help other people out? Hmm. What if we took the fruit of the Spirit and put that into our marriage? How much better would that be? And don't sit there like a little eight-year-old tell me, well, they need to do it first. That just told me you're eight years old. That's all that means. That you're not an adult. And there are too many people in America walking around in bodies that are 25, 35, 45, 55, 65 years old, but they're eight years old emotionally. Any amens on that? <clears throat> if you did this in marriage, you'd have a love your spouse competition. Would you not? Would you not? One of the things that dawned on me yesterday, no, Friday, it was Friday, is that when my wife went in the hospital, I would wash all the clothes on Saturday, everything on Saturday. I didn't know she did it twice a week. You know, after she came out, she goes, no, I do it twice a week. That makes perfect sense. I have these big loads all the time. You know? <laughs> but I would take the sheets off our bed on Fridays. This was my routine. And I'd wash them and dry them, either put them back on or I'd get the other, more, other sheets, fold those, put them there. When my wife got to the hospital, after about a month, she started doing things around the house again. And now, and I thought, this is interesting. Now we have a competition of who's going to wash those sheets first on Friday. She knows I'm going to get them on Friday. And so I'll come back from studying, and then the gym, I'll walk, and she goes, I already washed the sheets. But it's a competition between us. Who's going to do it first? But see, if you started to live you first, me second, what would love require? You'd have this love competition with your spouse and with others. And it would just get better and better and better. Think about this. Please think about this. If we started loving other people, you first, me second, whoever they were, even those co-workers and friends or whoever they are that hate Christians, that do not want to go to church, they think church is brainwashing you. But if you and I lived, you first, me second, what would love require? Wouldn't they sit there and go, that's impressive. That's impressive. I don't believe what you believe, but it is impressive. Or they'd say, 
Why are you the way you are? And like 1 Peter 3.15 says, Peter writes and he says, Be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the hope that you believe and you live. Be ready to tell them. This is why I live the way I live. Now let me tie this whole thing up this way. Matthew 12.6. I want you to read with, with, with me. Here it goes. One, two, three. But I say to you that something greater than the ten. Let's do very few of you reading. Come on. You're almost going to lunch now. Come on. But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. These are Jesus' words. It's Jesus speaking it. You and I read it like, oh yeah, that's cool. No, 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 no. If you were at that person hanging around Jesus, there's the temple, and Jesus says something greater than the temple is here, meaning himself, because Jesus earlier in John 2 said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. They didn't understand that he was talking about the temple of his body, that he would die and resurrect. But now he says something greater than the temple is here. They would have been like, what are you talking about? The temple is everything. This is everything in our life. As a male, I've got to come to Jerusalem three times a year. This is it. This is where God comes down, man. What do you mean something greater is here? What's going on? The temple, Josephus, the historian writes, that that temple that was built by Herod for the Jews, it was so grand, so big, it had gold plates on the outside, and where there were no gold plates, there was white marble, so that when you were coming toward it from a distance, because it was huge, it would look like there was snow on it. It was beautiful. It was magnificent. And yet Jesus one day says this with the disciples in Matthew 24. He says, do you see all these stones? you see this temple? Every stone is going to be torn down, taken apart. The temple will be destroyed. That was around 32, 33 A.D., historical fact. And sure enough, in 70 A.D., the Romans come, siege the city. There's a fire that starts inside the temple. The gold burns, gets in the cracks of the massive stones, and the Romans are not going to leave the gold. And they dismantle the temple one stone at a time. And they're massive stones, guys. I've seen them. They're massive. So complete was the dismantling, they don't even know exactly where that temple was to this day. But the Romans got the gold. When Jesus says, something greater than the temple is here, when he says, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again, what he's saying is this, and here's what's so important in our life. It's so important. He is moving the temple from a place geographically to a person. He's moving the housing of God from a building to a person so that when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you became a housing for the Holy Spirit. Any amens? And therefore, the fruit of the Spirit is dwelling in you and it's got to grow. Amen on that one? Now, every human on the planet, every human is created in the image and the likeness of God. Every human is. But the follower of Christ, theirs is a little bit of a leap forward. 
Not only are they created in the image and likeness of God, they are the housing of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what that means. And this should, this should mean a lot to you. And I, it should mean a lot. When someone comes next to you, when someone is around you, follower of Christ, that's as close to God as they can get. That's as close to God as they can get. Because you house the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit's God. So when they come around you and I, and we're the housing of the Spirit of God, and this is as close to God as they're going to get, it becomes vitally important. that we live out the love that says you first and me second. They need to see it in the way we treat them, the way we treat others, the way we talk, how we treat our spouse, how we treat each other in church. This is one of the most vital pieces in reaching lost people because when they come around you and I this is as close to God as you're going to get and we need to reflect reflect the love of God what does love requirement of me requires you first me second it's as simple as that Amen. Series over. I'm done. Lord, help us uh, not to live our own personal agendas. Help us to love people. But if you're here today or watching online and you're not a Christian and you, you know it, isn't it? It's not putting you down. It's just a fact. But, you know, it's starting to make sense to you. Or maybe you put it off, put it off. Your family's Christians, and you're like, ah. I remember being in your spot. My family are all Christians. Becoming Christians. I don't want to be one. And then I put my faith in Jesus, and boy, it's the best thing I ever did. And I was a young man, too. I was a young man, possibly, in all the sins that you're in right now. And the Spirit of God came into me and my body now housed the Spirit of God. And boy, did it change the way I looked at life. I had a God consciousness now. But see, when you put your faith in Christ, what you're really admitting is that Jesus is God in the flesh, that you need Him as a Savior because you're bankrupt because of sin before God. That the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can wash away your sins. It's the only thing. And that sin is the separator between you and God. So that when you die, you're under the blood. And you go into eternity with God. Because the contrary is not desired. And both are eternal. Because your soul, that thing in you, is eternal. 
So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to put your faith in Jesus. To make him the Lord of your life. To become the housing of the Spirit of God. To let your sins be washed away. And maybe you walked away from God, you back, said, it's time to come back now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that too. So I'm going to say this prayer. If you'd like to place your faith in Jesus, first time in your life, become a follower of Christ, or rededicate your life, come back and follow Jesus with passion. Great. Repeat this prayer out loud after me. Everyone in here, repeat it with them. If you're watching at home later on the week, you say it too if you want to do this. And just put your faith in Jesus. Here we go, everybody. Repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me. Shed your blood on a cross, a gruesome, torturous death taking my wrath reserved for me and my sins taking it upon your body forgive me of my sins and I know I'm forgiven I put my faith in you today as my Lord Messiah and Savior my only God thank you for saving me now allow me to pray, everybody. God, I, I just pray for people who said that prayer first time or in rededication. I hope you follow up, friends. Because that's what makes the difference. Active, operational, effective faith working through love. Live it. Live it. Jesus said if you know these things, you're blessed if you do these things live it you will not be perfect there nobody perfect but you are under the blood and you have now come back to life because your spirit now is alive to God and the Holy Spirit lives in you I thank God for your decision you can go on our website and see next steps you go to Connect Center get a free Bible there after service talk to the Christians around you they'll give you next steps there'll be people after service to pray go there if you want to they'll give you next steps but take next steps and so we thank you Jesus for your goodness to us in Jesus name we pray and we all said amen and amen stand up with me everybody if you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ please reach out to us on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.